The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Rotten or Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2004's Wicker Park. Why are you doing that? Directed by Paul McGuin, starring Josh Hartnett, Rose Byrne, Diane Kruger, and Matthew Lillard. Wicker Park is a 2004 American psychological drama romantic mystery film. This film currently holds a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In Chicago, advertising executive and former photographer Matthew is closing a business deal in a fancy restaurant with a Chinese representative when he sees a woman that looks like his former passion, Lisa. Two years ago, Lisa and Matthew had a love affair and Lisa simply vanished when Matthew invited her to move with him to New York, where he had the invitation for a better job, and Matthew is still obsessed with her. Matthew decides to follow Lisa, and when he meets her, he realizes that Lisa is indeed another woman with the same name. Instead of going on a business trip to China, Matthew stays in Chicago with his friend Luke and decides to investigate the mystery. Okay, Wicker Park. Tonight's movie was sponsored by John. John writes in and says, Hey guys, my movie Wicker Park is finally coming up. I suggested this movie because I feel it's underrated. It's got a bunch of flashbacks, a staple of any has that bad diet, and we haven't seen Josh Hartnett since The Faculty. I do really enjoy this movie, though, and think it gets an unfair reputation. Maybe you guys will agree with me. If not, at least I got to contribute to the podcast. Thanks for the hours of entertainment, John. Okay, guys, Wicker Park, what is your history with this? Never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I didn't even know what it was about. I thought maybe this is a prequel to Wicker Man. I thought we'd have some Nicolas Cage action, maybe. I don't know. I remember this movie when it came out. I vaguely remember the trailers to it. For me, the one thing that I remember the most about this movie really is that when we first started the podcast, uh, the very first listener request for a movie was for this. A girl wanted us to do this. So here it is. She's got her wish. Finally, two years later. Two years later, but hey, you know, better late than never, right? I wonder if that person stuck with the show. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. Discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, making his triumphant return from the days of the faculty, Josh Hartnett himself. Is he always discontent and upset with everything? I feel like that's his only mode, is to be like kind of detached and upset. Dower? He does always seem to be in his own world. He's tall, dark, and handsome. Has the Josh Hartnett heyday come and gone? Yeah, when was the last movie he's been in? I don't, I can't even remember the last time I've seen him in something. There was that period in time when they wanted him to be the next guy, right? The next it guy. Yeah. But what happened? It didn't work. He he gained like 100 pounds. Did he? No, I just made that up. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I see him on film, I'm always like, man, I want to be that guy. He's always seems cool and... He's dark, mysterious, and always upset. Was he the Joseph Gordon-Levitt of 2004? I would not go that far. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the whole pack. He's got it all. Babes, bucks, talent. He's even got dancing ability. We saw it. We just saw it at the Oscars. He's got raw charisma. What about Josh Hartnett? How did he do in this movie? Uh... I'd say I'd, I'd put him somewhere between 30 Days of Night, Josh Hartnett, and... 40 Days and 40 Nights? <laughs> 40, <laughs> yeah, and 40 Days and 40 Nights, Josh. He gets a 35. <laughs> somewhere between 30 and 40. He gets... Eh, I'm going to give him 25 days out of 30 Days of Night. Okay, next up, Rose Byrne. She was okay. This was her movie. You can make the argument, right, that this movie is really about her. It all revolves around her. Because she carry the weight. I'm going to make the argument that this movie is not about her. And <laughs> yeah. that she is actually 
actually the villain. Well, no, she's the linchpin of this whole story. And without she's, her, there's no story. She's the antagonist. She is the conflict. I mean, she doesn't show up halfway through the movie. But if she wasn't there, there'd be no plot. That's it's like true. saying there would be no Aladdin if Jafar wasn't in it, but it's Jafar's movie. Like, it's not Jafar's movie. It's Aladdin's movie. Yeah, this is Hartnett's movie. I don't know about that. You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> I think this is Matthew Lillard's movie. Yes! Yes! That I can agree with. Next up, Diane Kruger. She is pretty hot and handsome. <laughs> is that all you have to say? Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, I thought that she was good. Yeah, she's all right. She's not hiding she's... her accent very well, I don't think. I don't think she was supposed to. She didn't really have to do anything, though, in this movie. All she had to do was be aloof. She had to be coy. She had to be Shakespeare in love. Yeah, she wasn't really allowed to be a real person. She, the things she could say and do were very restrained. Restricted. She's the manic pixie dream girl. Sure. You, you love that phrase, right? She was the objective for Josh Hartnett to get to. And the- Did you say that he's an objectivist? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you just can't get... <laughs> Alright, you're banned from using the word objects, objective, or anything there thereof. I am? Yeah, you. You're the trigger every time. I'm the trigger. <laughs> if anything, this is your problem. You have to you have to take some time to yourself and really reflect on why you're doing this. Okay, next up. Oh, Matthew Lillard in all his glory. How good did you think his faux hawk was? He was pretty good. (laughs) I found him to be the most enjoyable person in this movie by far. His hair was great. I loved his hair. I didn't enjoy his uh, cocky smirks throughout this whole film. He's a rude, crude, get him, you know, get him, get him done kind of dude. (laughs) What? (laughs) talking about he's like listen bro i'm gonna get babe i'm gonna be bucks get it off it'd be a good friend he's just trying to make things happen what was better wicker park matthew lillard or scooby-doo matthew lillard you decide (laughs) (laughs) i never saw (laughs) scooby-doo this guy has not lived uh i like how the question you you posed was like to the audience but you pointed at kevin Okay, so I take it that none of you are impressed with any of the acting in this feature film? No. I thought Matthew Lillard was the best. I didn't think it was really anything to remember right home about. I think that the actors were as confused as we were as viewers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> imagine they imagine they acted it in chronological order. <laughs> <laughs> so they just keep jumping back and forth through time and it makes no sense. I imagine that they filmed this movie in chronological order on purpose and at the end of the day they were like, oh, no one's going to like this. Let's do this instead. Let's just make it one flashback after another to make it interesting. (laughs) Okay, well, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of Wicker Park. And by brief, I do mean brief. Kevin strikes again, writing the notes. What happened this time? There's nothing about this movie. Go ahead. Go to Wikipedia. Go to IMDb. Search all over the internet. There's no information. I try to tell me that no one cares about Wicker Park. No one cares about Wicker Park. Okay. Martin, Brendan Fraser, and Freddie Prince Jr. were originally considered for the role of Matt, with Joel Schumacher set to direct the film. Oh my lord. That would have been Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Under the calm, steady hand of a Joel Schumacher. This, we could have got a very different movie. Paul Walker was cast in the main role, but dropped out due to complications with filming Too Fast, Too Furious. And Josh Hartnett immediately signed on to replace him. The restaurant where Matthew overhears Lisa talking on the telephone is called Bellucci. Monica Bellucci was the female lead in the French original, The Apartment, of which this film is a remake. Okay, Martin, this movie had a $30 million budget. How much did it make worldwide? I don't know, 21,800,000? <laughs> 
Gee, it sounds as if you read up about this movie. I may or may not have. Twenty-one million dollars. Tonight's competition is invalidated. <laughs> the officials are gonna have to investigate. Okay, Wicker Park. So this movie starts off with a nice opening credit sequence of Josh Hartnett. He's like a hobo hipster photographer by day, billionaire businessman by night or something. Didn't the opening of this movie seem really weird to you? Like the opening of a TV show? Yes, it did. <laughs> with all those cuts of like the city and him taking photographs. Boondock Saints. Yeah. It was all right. I mean, I was glad to get an actual opening to a movie. That was a that was a great change of pace. As I grow older, I, I grow to hate these things more and more like, I just want I don't the care. movie to start. Yes, I don't care who directed it. I don't care who did the costumes or who wrote it. This guy. Or, or hey, who's the casting agent on this movie? Who cares? This guy. Just start the movie. This guy. He just wants to have no one get credit, no one get paid. No, no, no. no they, get, they get credits. It's called The Credits <laughs> at the end. Who watches them, though? Don't. I th- I'm pretty sure they have to put those, those credits at the beginning. No, no. Because there's a lot of movies we see that don't have any opening credits. Do we? Do we see a lot of movies like that? No, we see movies that have opening text scrolls instead. I like opening text scrolls. Yeah, black screen. This movie could use one. Were 2004, you? Winter Park, <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, Earth. Yeah, this is a four minutes of my life. I'll never get back just watching him take random photos and stuff. This is a waste of time. Just get the movie started. Okay, so, well, our boy, Josh Hartnett, he's a successful businessman, I guess. He's in a suit. He's walking around town. Who should he run into? But Matthew Lillard himself. Wow, a chance meeting. Dismissed as coincidence, Martin, but the first of many coincidences in this movie, you would say. Yeah. Have you ever seen as many coincidences in your life as you will see in this movie. Mm. There's only one other piece of theater or cinema that I know about that has this many coincidences. And that's A Midsummer's Night Dream, which I hate. Yeah, this comes from the uh, 10 Things I Hate About You school of filmmaking. Oh. So what are some of the other ones that did this? <laughs> Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those movies that takes an old Shakespeare story and modernizes it for the modern day in a modern setting. How modern? How postmodern? Oh, by the way, I'm going to say this caveat. Usually I like to toss out spoiler alerts for movies. This movie deserves one, right? If you ever want to see this movie, yeah, this deserves a spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. If you are ever ever going to see this movie and you haven't yet, don't listen to this. I'm going to be ultra sexist and say specifically, if you're a girl, you should see the movie first because you're going to get the most impact out of this movie than anybody else. So you need to calm your sexist rants down. I can't stop. You're a misogynist pig. <laughs> it's, it's really getting out of hand now. <laughs> this... <laughs> This movie is made for the female demographic, and that is who will get the most impact from it. I disagree with that. Are you a that. marketing executive? How do yeah, you know that? Yeah, I don't that? think that this is made for women. It's romantic. It's right there in the title. Do you not have a heart? No. no. Okay, so our boy Josh Hartnett, he's had a big, important meeting with some Chinese clients at a restaurant. They're having some vague, nebulous deal that they have to... <laughs> Dude, I mean, they're watching like YouTube videos or something. On- <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Very good question. He arrives and Josh Hartnett's fiance shows up. Megan Draper from Mad Men. You know, I thought she looked familiar. There you go. She's got a pretty big teeth. That was actually talked about in Mad Men. It should be. They address that. That's something that needs to be addressed. <laughs> they're out of control. 
Well, she shows up, and this is a business meeting, right? Like a legit business meeting. Yep. And she kisses Josh Hartnett on the lips in front of the Chinese businessman. That mm-hmm. sets the tone for how professional this person is. What do you think of that, Kevin? You're in meetings every day. Yeah, it didn't seem very professional to me. And they even looked put off by it, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, like, what's oh, going on here? Disgusting. Americans. Well, I, I don't know when this movie is supposed to take place because right after that, they get up to use the pay phones. Yeah, I was super confused what time frame this is. I thought about this too, but... But if you think back, 2004 was the year, it was like right at the cusp when everybody started having cell phones. Like that, there had to be that switchover, right? Where everybody started buying cell phones. Was that like 2002? Yeah, no. I, had, I had one in 2001. No. 2004. I have facts and figures to back it up. You are a marketing executive, so I'm going to trust your data. Mm. That's the only way I, I can explain it. When actually, when he Because this movie doesn't exist in a world where there are cell phones, right? Right. He has one. He uses one. He doesn't have one. Yeah, he does. Yeah, the girl uses one too. She runs out of the The girl the uses one. Josh Hartnett uses the cell phone that his oh, fiance right. gives him. This could have been easily solved by just getting her cell phone number. Where did that phone go? <laughs> no, he stopped using it. Where did that phone go? Seriously. Why doesn't this woman have a cell phone? This whole movie just fell apart. <laughs> This movie was never together. It was never together to begin with. I don't know why you're concerned about it falling apart. Uh, we we go back to this later. Yeah, put a put a pin on that. All right, on your Pinterest board, and we'll come back to it. <laughs> uh, Pinterest. Okay, so Josh Hartnett, he thinks he wants to marry this girl. He's not sure. He's kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you can relate, right? You were on the fence, shaky. No, I was never on the fence. <laughs> I remember when Kevin. Was in a state of emotional and psychological duress because he just could not decide whether or not he was going to get married. Yeah, so he had cold feet. He's really wishy-washy about marrying this girl. Just like how Kevin was. Wishy-washy is putting it lightly. It seemed like he was being blackmailed into it, didn't (laughs) it? Shotgun wedding, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put this out there. I thought that his fiance was more attractive than the other two women in this film. Disagree. I'm in the minority, I guess, but I definitely thought that she was an upgrade compared to Diane Kruger. Super disagree. Yeah, I think Diane Kruger was the most attractive female. Uh, Agreed. She's got that that very like distinguished Penelope Cruz kind of attractiveness to her. What? I'm gonna have to disagree with that. You lost You've it. You've gone too far. You lost it, man. You had me. I don't look. I'm not trying to win any arguments. <laughs> I'm not trying to get any votes here. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm gonna be honest. Well, his fiance gives him some pills, so... <laughs> was she a drug dealer? Here's some pills, bro. He runs into the bathroom. Well, he's nervous about getting on the flight, right? Yes. Something to help him sleep. So he he runs to the bathroom. That's how it always starts. To pop some pills. And then he's shooting heroin. And when he's in the bathroom, he can he becomes a voyeur supreme. He puts his ear to the air ventilation shaft, and he can hear what's going on in the phone booth. And it's somebody he knows, somebody named Lisa. He runs out. What happens? She hangs up the phone, and she's running out and he looks at her from behind and he thinks he recognizes her as this girl Lisa from his past but she runs out before he's able to catch up with her. So he looks at the floor and there is a hotel room key on the ground and he picks it up. How does he know that's from the person that he just saw? <laughs> yeah. He has the smelling sense of a dog and he can smell the oils. He's like, ah, oh, it's Lisa's. Yeah, this movie turns into like a, a mystery for him to find the missing girl. He's running around finding clues and and all this stuff. Would you say that this was a romantic mystery thriller? I would, actually. So, right off the bat, I don't like this guy. I don't like this Josh <laughs> Hartnett character. Alright, he's supposed to get married to this girl that he's in a relationship right now. Yep. He lies to her right to her face and says, I'm going to China. See you later. But instead, he runs out and goes on this hunt to find his dream girl, right? It's it's even more complex than that. They go to the airport together. She drops him off. Yep. He goes through, like, security and down the escalator. That's hardcore. That's not <laughs> just being like, I'm going to go to the airport now and not, and you know, just like walking out the door. That's full on 
deception. He's pretty much lying to his fiance just so he can go have sex with some other woman. <laughs> nice. Bullseye. Well, we don't know that. I know that. <laughs> Deep down in my heart. <laughs> And he's, he's a creep. Because you're such a romantic. Oh, yeah. This guy's a creep, stalker supreme, right? Well, we find that out because we now get our first flashback. This whole movie is full of the creeps first and stalkers. of many, many flashbacks. flashbacks. Flashback Park. I'm going to say that Wicker Park is a movie that takes place in Josh Hartnett's head and visits the real world every now and then. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. So we get this flashback where Josh Hartnett, he's working in his local AV store. He sees this video playing and it's this blonde girl and he's immediately falls in love with her. Love at first sight with this woman on the video. He looks out the window and he sees that same girl in real life. That's ridiculous. It's quite the coincidence. Dismissed as coincidence. So he's got the hotel key. He breaks into the hotel room. He's like, Lisa, are you here? Lisa, where are you? For the first 30, 45 minutes of this movie he's a creeper absolutely right absolutely i was like wow i hate this guy (laughs) stalker supreme i definitely don't hate him but i'm not really rooting for him at this point this movie makes me believe that women want this to happen because he gets the girl true enough Mm. his stalkerish ways are rewarded is that how it is in real life did you ask your girlfriend was she like this is every girl's dream i stalked her that's the only way i got (laughs) (laughs) by the way i followed you for three months before i asked you out (laughs) That's cool, right? I, sp- I spent all my free time tracking where you went. I made sure to- <laughs> I implanted a GPS <laughs> tracker in you. I mean, that's not too far from what Josh Hartnett is doing in this movie. No. no. I'd say he takes it a step further than that. <laughs> Okay, so the pills finally catch up to Josh Hartnett. He passes out and he has flashback number 76 of Wicker Park. <laughs> this movie's five minutes in. We were 76 <laughs> flashbacks into it. And he's hanging out with Matthew Lillard. Turns out Matthew Lillard is an Al Bundy-esque shoe salesman. <laughs> Martin just handed me his notes <laughs> and he wrote Al Bundy. <laughs> I wrote this is how Al Bundy met Peg, I think. <laughs> He's an Al Bundy shoe salesman. <laughs> Every shoe salesman is Al Bundy, no matter yeah, to, who they to, are. To me, they're yeah. all Al Bundy. So he's hanging out with him, Matthew Lillard's selling shoes, and Lone Josh Hartnett is telling them all about this girl and all about how he stalked her and followed her to her dancing lesson. It's cool, though, because he doesn't usually do that. <laughs> Yeah, which is even creepier. <laughs> but as luck would have it, guess who walks into the shoe store? Oh my goodness. It's the girl. The girl of his dreams. Oh my. He asked Matthew Lillard, hey bro, can I fill in as shoe salesman for you? <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, uh, what can I do for you? She's like, hey, can you get me this shoe? Uh, oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Just like in that, in that movie. And he, he lists some obscure movie about shoes. What? Wow. Martin, you are an uncultured <laughs> swine. <laughs> <laughs> what what movie does he list? Yeah, what movie was it? Eight and a Half by oh, Fellini. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art she snob. says Eight and a Half. Yeah, yeah. She, he drops his art snob quote. I don't I don't blame you. That's a stupid thing to say to a girl. Would you drop an obscure movie reference like that on a first date? No. You know? That's dangerous territory, right? No, you, you don't let someone know how dorky you are until at least the fourth or fifth date. <laughs> you know what? I say dorky stuff immediately. Might as well get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. This is who I am. If you don't like it, you know, move on. Like, it's just not going to work. <laughs> So he gets this eight and a half size shoe for her. That's a very important plot point to remember. When he's putting this shoe on her, he was popping eight billion boners, <laughs> right? 
That's funny. That's another statement. Well, she was like rubbing her leg on his and stuff, though. She was. I have Josh Hartnett ejaculates while putting the shoes on. <laughs> he just he comes to fruition while he's fitting her with this ridiculous high heel. He should have filmed it for his thesis. He would have been <laughs> a plus. Yeah, if he went to art school with us, <laughs> it's, a, it's an A plus plus. And and so he's like uh, talking to her, and she throws him for a loop. She gets in real close. He's like, "Hey, do you normally spy on people, bro?" Because she noticed him noticing her noticing. Him noticing her. <laughs> Notwithstanding her noticing him being a stalker, she leaves a little note on the shoebox to make a date to okay. meet him somewhere. She knows he's a stalker supreme, yep. but she still wants to go on a date with him. Sure. Let's find out what this stalker's all about. Yeah. What, she was flattered by the stalkering? This is Josh Hartnett. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. And he's, he's the whole package. all the time. Well, they go on a date to Wicker Park. <laughs> <laughs> and he explains what he finds beautiful about, for, about photography. He lets her know that he's a real artiste. She says, take my picture. I feel beautiful tonight. Would you take my picture? Because I won't remember. We need more filter in our life. So he drops her home. He drives away in his car and he's like, ah, I screwed up. I didn't go up there. So he automatically throws his car in reverse at four million miles an hour <laughs> was going so on icy roads. <laughs> it was going so fast. It looked like he was going to crash into like 50 cars that were all parked on the side of the road there. He's crossed the line from stalker to rapist. <laughs> yes. In the scene, right? Because yep. he rushes upstairs <laughs> and they have wild, unfocused sex. Benny Hill style. Fast forward sex. <laughs> Why was it out of focus the whole time? <laughs> yeah, you're right, Kevin. It should have been in a blue room like Top Gun. <laughs> so blurry. Yeah, this doesn't follow the movie date formula that I know of, where you meet somebody in a bar, and you sing to them, and then you go back <laughs> and have sex in a blue room. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he wakes up the next morning in this hotel, and he finds these shredded bits of newspaper, and he grabs them, <laughs> and, and I guess the game is afoot? The plot thickens? Like, what? <laughs> at, at, this, at, at this point, I felt like I was in Inception. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? What layer is this? Is this the real world or the dream world? <laughs> is this a flashback within a flashback? I was so lost right now. I'm like, what the hell? Do, what the hell is happening right now? Why would he, of all the things, like, why would you pick up a shredded newspaper article <laughs> and think, this is how I'm going to find her? Why was it in an ashtray? Did that mean that they intended to burn it? Like, it was like evidence? That past scene that happened was, in my opinion, indicative of the tone that this entire movie takes. It is forcefully sentimental. It, it, it's like wants, it wants to be sentimental so hard and it like pushes it on you. Yeah. And it doesn't let it naturally happen because I don't know who these people are. So I don't know why I care about them. So this newspaper article, it's about a woman's funeral or about a woman that died and her funeral information's in there. Somehow he thinks she's going to be at this funeral. This is the biggest stretch oh, ever. Yeah. So he goes to the funeral. She's not there, but some guy's there, like the husband of the woman who died. And he follows him. This is so confusing. Why would he follow that person? All right, so Matthew Lillard, he has to go on a date tonight with his dream girl, a girl named Alex. He, But Josh Hartnett wants to borrow the car. I don't know why he doesn't have his own car or he can't rent a car. He's a pretty rich guy, but he borrows Matthew Lillard's car to do all this. Or take a taxi. You could always just take a taxi. Yeah, to do all this stupid crap. He's late coming back and Matthew Lillard is late for his date. Pretty pissed off. Alex, this new character, calls up. You, wait, wait, wait. Just, out of, just so I can get this out. He's pissed off that he came back late with his car and Josh Hartnett's rebuttal is, why didn't you take a taxi? Yeah. What an ass! <laughs> 
What an ass. I would not be friends with this person. Yeah, I don't. What does Matthew Lillard get out of his friendship with Josh Hartnett? Well, we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so Matthew Lillard goes on his date and we get a full blown play scene in this movie where we get to see this Alex character. She's in all this black swan-esque makeup. She's acting in this play and the director comes on stage. He is not happy. He starts yelling at her and he pretty much just says the entire plot of the film, right? He does. Uh, And while he's yelling at her, this camera is going around. Michael Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay jumped in, <laughs> grabbed grab the reins for a scene. I got dizzy. Well, Josh Hartnett's supposed to be in China, and his fiance calls him up. He's like, hey, how's China, bro? And what does he say? Oh, it's really busy. Ooh, he's like, she's like, how's the weather? He's like, I don't know. It's dark out. She's like, and she's like, it it's 10, 10 in the morning. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I'm really out of it. I didn't even open my blinds yet. He lied right to her face over the phone. Yeah. What do you say about that? That's hard to do because it's on the phone. What number was he calling her from? Was that, was that his? cell phone? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Mysterious cell phone is weird again. So Josh takes the key that he stole from the other stalker and he becomes ultra stalker supreme <laughs> by breaking into Lisa's apartment would you say like that he's, hiding out. Would you say that he's the king of stalkers in this scene? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he's he's at murder mystery stalker <laughs> levels, I'd say. <laughs> he breaks into the apartment and he like waits for her to show up like a super creeper. Lisa shows up to the apartment, but hey, you never see her head when she comes into the room. Mm. And Josh Hartnett pounces on her pretty much. And what happens, Kevin? It's not Lisa. It's some brown-haired girl. Well, she pulls a scruff McGruff and takes a bite out of crime. They are in Chicago. <laughs> Good point. 60652. <laughs> Yeah, this girl's like, what the hell are you doing in my apartment? They're biting him and he, he... She bites him. He eventually like talks her down, calms her down. It's like... He talks her off the proverbial cliff. Yeah. She says her name's Lisa too. That's where all this confusion came from. You know, if you break into somebody's house, the first... The, the way that you approach them isn't by letting your presence be known. It is by sneaking up on them. Sneaking up right behind them and grabbing them on the shoulder. <laughs> It's the best way to do it. Any normal person would say, get the hell out to this guy, right? Yeah. What happens? She seduces him. She says that this guy, the guy who left the key, he's been stalking her, giving her a hard time. And so I'm which- scared of stalkers, even though I just found you in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Please stay. Yeah, so she begs him to stay. A total stranger. I feel like this movie takes the most realistic approach to what a normal girl's <laughs> response to Josh Hartnett breaking <laughs> into her house would be. Ah, uh, true, true. Right? And it gets even taken a step further when they go to sleep. He's sleeping on the couch. She comes out and gets naked on the couch and they start making out. Like, where did this come from? She was watching him sleep, Edward Cullen style. Would you guys get involved with this woman if she did that to you? Yeah, my girlfriend asked me that same question. She turned to me. She goes, is it really that easy? And you went, it's even easier. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Like, She's not happy about it. You're like, you're like I never would have even slept on the couch. <laughs> So while they're, while they're sitting there having sex, that creepy stalker guy... That's what they're doing. They're sitting down while they're having sex. Yeah. The, the whole time they're having sex, that creepy stalker guy is outside and he's watching them... In the shadows. Yeah, as their silhouette. And then his character... Fades away. Goes away. He actually, like, backs into the shadow... And disappears And literally forever. fades away. Never, Never to back. be seen again. What was the point of him? I have no idea. <laughs> 
shadow mysteries <laughs> abound in this <laughs> mister, romantic mystery thriller. She so it's at it. this point that my notes, this is the first word of my notes going down. Flashback, present, flashback, flashback, present, flashback, flashback, present. It's <laughs> the only way I can track of this, this movie from this point on. You know, it's funny you say that, Kevin, because in my notes, I write old Lisa, new Lisa, old Lisa, new Lisa. Oh, yeah. I have new girl, old girl, new girl, old girl. <laughs> when he takes the job in New York, he sits down with his original Lisa and says, hey, will you move in with me? And she says, oh, I gotta go. Later. It was a sick burn, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how I would have taken that. There's only one way to take that. There really is. No normal person would leave that situation that way. And it'd be anything other than we broke up. This is not going anywhere. Yep. There's nothing to be interpreted here. <laughs> But what does it mean? <laughs> okay, so we leave the, the pseudo world in Josh Hartnett's mind and we come back to the present. Josh Hartnett is hiding under the blankets like a weak, weak man. He was, what was that about? What was that about? He, he was really... wrapped up like a mummy. He has a funeral shroud. <laughs> He pulls them down. He turns over to the new Lisa and she's like, uh, hi. Hey, that was pretty weird, huh? This is a awkward morning after. Wouldn't you say, Kevin? Yeah, well, she pours them coffee and some champagne flutes. You know, I know how he feels. I've been there, bro. I, I really like this one part when he's in bed and he look, he opens up. To check lifts, to see if his he, penis is still there. Yeah, yeah. He lifts the <laughs> sheets and he looks down at his penis and he has this sad, depressed look. <laughs> I laughed and laughed and laughed. Like, what did you see down there? <laughs> You notice that too, right? Yeah. Like, I thought he lifted up the sheets to see if his penis was still there. Like it was like a, like a Lorraine Bobbitt kind of reference that he sucked to this crazy woman. And she may have, I don't know, cut it off, I guess. You know, I ended up seeing the first half of this movie twice. There was a lot of little clues in it that I didn't notice the first time I saw it. When she goes to pour Josh Harnett coffee in the cups, she's running around all frantically looking through all the drawers and stuff. Yeah, she's never been there before. I first interpreted that as she's just nervous. I thought she was out of coffee. Yeah, she's just nervous because of Josh Hartnett. Oh, I interpreted that that wasn't her place. Yeah, because she didn't know where the cups were. Yeah. I thought she was just out of coffee. The plot thickens, Kevin, eh? I like an egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girthy. <laughs> Well, after she serves him coffee, we get another flashback. Yet another flashback. So flashback, 800 trillion. How many times are we going to say the word flashback? We should, Flash, we should, we should we be get, ringing a bell. We get another flashbang. Drinking game. When you're listening to this episode, every time we say flashback, you take a shot. Yeah, you'll be dead before we're done. <laughs> Well, it turns out that Josh Hartnett's original girlfriend was this new woman's neighbor, or she lived in the apartment across the way. Yeah. The way that she was dressed up in this scene made me think that she was a lesbian and that she was in love with the original Lisa. I was like, oh, so that's where this movie is going. No, they they made it seem pretty clear to me that she was like in love with her, like the longing looks that she was giving her. Absolutely. Yeah, that she was in love with the other Lisa, right? Yeah, yeah. it was in her eyes for sure. Like she was longing for her. E either that or she wanted to be her. I just wrote down lesbian love, exclamation point. I was like, oh wow. I got real confused at this point. It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, I was like, what? what's happening here? Especially given where we we know where the plot goes, right? Yeah. You must be right. It must be a longing to be friends with her. To be her. Not like a romantic love. Yeah. It must. Platonic. Yeah, it, but that's not what it I was looked getting like, from that no, scene. No, she wanted a piece. <laughs> 
The director should have been screaming at her actress in that scene and been like, you're supposed to want to be her, not be in love with her. Yeah, I thought this movie was going to take like a single white female kind of twist where, oh, she steals her life and all this stuff. I didn't think that, but that would have been a better movie. I just had no idea where it was going. Well, Matthew Lillard is talking to Josh Hartnett and Josh Hartnett wants to know what happened last night with his date with Alex, the actress. And we get to find out a shocking plot twist. Kevin. The plot twist is that Matthew Lillard's girlfriend, the girl that he is falling for, turns out to be Alex, the one that's crazy and trying to sleep with Josh Hartnett. Oh, this is when we find that out? Yeah. Yeah, she's taking her, she put her, she's taking her makeup off. I really like that scene. Oh, I thought that was well shot. Really well shot. That scene of her taking their makeup off. It was very well done. Great, great scene. Really good reveal because I didn't recognize her no. with the makeup on. Neither no. did I. Yeah, that was, that was my favorite part of this movie was her taking that makeup off. So Josh Hartnett and Matthew Lillard are talking about the date. Say, hey, how'd the date go? We, in yet another flashback, see what actually happened. That when Matthew Lillard tells Alex what happened with Josh Hartnett and this Lisa girl, she's visibly upset about it. Yep. And she wants to go home. Yeah, Matthew Lillard, he's like, we had sex all night. Then I made her my dad's world famous <laughs> breakfast. I guess that's what his dad used to make for him after they had sex every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get yet another flashback flashback and we find out that this Alex character, she's a stalker supreme as well. She was stalker prime. (laughs) She was the first most powerful of all stalkers. She was she was stalker Eve. It was her stalking that led to all other stalking. She was the origin point of all yeah, you're stalking. Right, she gave birth to all the stalking. So this is it. This is Silk Stockings on USA. Well, they go through this really, really long-winded reveal of how <laughs> of how she is really the ultimate stalker. And it's it was like watching a train crash in super slow motion. But it was really it was a boring train wreck. It was like a train kind of like kind of fell sideways off the rails and it was really slow and that's just it. I don't know. I don't agree with you. I like this stuff a lot. The, the reveals that she was there all along. When I had to rewatch the first half of this movie, I saw her. She was in a lot of the scenes mm-hmm. in the background. I thought that was pretty cool. It reminds me of a movie that came out around the same time period that Kevin loved. It's called The Rules of Attraction. Oh, and your it, favorite movie. And it has a scene in it just like this. Oh, I hated that movie. <laughs> well, Kevin, what'd you think of this big reveal? Yeah, I'm finally getting into this movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I did not care about this movie at all. But once this Alex character appears, the movie finally starts an hour in. Like, it's I, like when Optimus Prime finally shows up an hour <laughs> into a movie. Or The Mummy. Yeah, I mean, it was like watching this movie up till this point was kind of like looking at a puzzle that's missing like a third of the pieces and you can't really make out what the picture is. Yeah. And finally, those pieces are being put into place and it's like, oh, okay, like things are starting to make sense now. We see that she was the reason that Diane Kruger was even around the AV store for Josh Hartnett to see. She shot the video. She took the video of her. Yeah. Then we find out that Diane Kruger ran back to her, tell her that Josh Hartnett wants her to move in with her and how happy she is, gives her a note to give to Josh Hartnett explaining that, but she tosses that note. She goes into Josh Hartnett's apartment, erases the That's tw- cold. 12 messages yeah. that were left on his answering machine. Cold, man. Cold-blooded. So we find out why they broke up, basically. Why their relationship ended so quickly. It's because she was leaving to go on this dancing tour. She left that message with Rose Byrne and she didn't give it to Josh Hartnett. That's what happened. I mean, that that's why all the 
this stuff has happened. I don't know if it was worth the wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want? I don't know. I guess maybe it just took too long to get here. It was nice. Like, I'm starting to appreciate the movie more, but it might be too little too late. Alex's character might be the most selfish, self-centered person that I've really seen in a movie. She tries to purposely ruin all these people's lives. She yeah. even tells Diane Kruger, like, oh, Josh Hartnett's cheating on you. Yeah. She's not doing those things to get him for herself. She's literally doing it just to break them up, right? She wants Josh Hartnett. But there's no way she's going to get him in that situation. He's going to New York. She's not even thinking logically. She's just not. She's out of her mind. Yeah. All mm. she's doing is ending their relationship and he's going to New York. So she's not even going to get him for herself. Love makes you do crazy things, Kevin. She can't stand to see someone else happy with him. That's basically what it comes down to. Well, this entire movie, Matthew Lillard's been trying to get Josh Hartnett to meet this girl that he's been telling her about the whole time. And Matthew literally, he, he puts his faux hawk, puts, he puts extra gel in. They all go down to this restaurant and Josh Hartnett goes to meet up with him. And who do you think the girl is that's sitting across from him at the restaurant? This is awesome. I like this part. This yeah. was the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. Finally, the, the house of cards collapses. All the lies come crumbling down. Josh Hartnett finds out that Alex is really his girlfriend and he goes, oh, it was you. <laughs> yeah, if ever there was a point to sit down under that aloud, it was that was it. Yeah, man, it was pretty uncomfortable scene where they're sitting there. Matthew Lillard, what a chump, right? He's a poor loser in this story. Oh, yeah. What a sap. He's the, king, he's the king of fools. Oh, yeah. I really loved this scene, though, with Josh Hartnett and Rose Byrne going back and forth. Matt Lillard not having a clue what the hell's going on. Best acting in this movie. It was so good. I really liked the scene. Okay, so at this point in the movie, this girl is completely unrepentant. She's a monster. She's a beast. Kevin, what do you think? She's pure evil. Listen, maybe she's just in love with him and he doesn't understand and she's not going to apologize. Martin, even though she's no better than a beast, doesn't she deserve to live? She deserves at least a fair trial. She didn't do anything legal, but <laughs> she's going to jail. <laughs> She's subhuman. She deserves a trial. Okay, if this happened to you in real life, you find that that's some girl you don't even know <laughs> behind the scenes, like, was actively plotting to ruin your life, what would you do? You'd probably get a restraining order against her. I mean, she's insane. I, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, what what can you do? Your, your hands are tied, right? I mean, what recourse do you have? I'd have a hard time not getting, you know, physically engaged with her at that point. Kevin, you got a lot of options. You got the Stone Cold Stunner. You got the Boston <laughs> Crab. You name it. You I could guess... roadhouse her. <laughs> You could try and turn the tables on her if you were willing to put in the time. You're going to get revenge on her. <laughs> it, it, if there's anything the South Koreans, Koreans have taught, have taught me, us. revenge it, is the way to go. Yeah, we have to get revenge. <laughs> she turns to Matthew Lillard and says, I used you. Get out of here. We're through. This poor guy, huh? What a chump. Yeah, he is, he's the big loser in all this, right? <laughs> the biggest loser. <laughs> he used to weigh 300 pounds when we started. Now he's 150. <laughs> He is the biggest loser, but like in a bad way. I don't know. I, if I was him, I'd just be like, I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> How long were those two together? Like a year. Was it that long? That's a really good question because when they had that argument, they made it seem like they had been going back and forth for a while. Yeah. I think they've been together for a while because she's been planning this out over the course of two years. How did she... So she planned all this. How did she know that Josh Hartnett was ever going to come back to Chicago? I don't think she did. Was she, no, I don't, so I don't this th was a real long game she was playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a long con. She was just hoping that he'd come back. She's eventually gonna marry Matthew Lillard just on the hope <laughs> that, that he would come back. He would come back. Yeah. She's an actress by trade. Isn't this just her doing what she does best? You know, I actually thought that for a little bit. Like, the whole reason she was doing all this was to get inspiration for her play. What if that was a plot twist? Would you be happy with that? No. Yes. Yes, I would. That would be really 
really cool. Because she's not that good of an actress, so she needs real life inspiration. So she ruins these people's lives. <laughs> I would not be happy with that. No? no. Wow, wow. Yeah, even Daniel Day-Lewis. Wouldn't, wouldn't stoop so low. <laughs> wouldn't stoop so low. But he would still respect her for doing it. Like, the <laughs> utmost respect for what you've done. Well, she gives our boy Josh Hartnett a little note that she was supposed to give him two years prior from Lisa, saying all this stuff like, yeah, I'll move in with you, blah, 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 all this stuff. She couldn't have called him. She couldn't have called his cell phone. She did. Lisa called his cell phone? She called his house yeah, like a call, million times. Call his cell phone. No, she called Matthew Lillard's house. Oh, you mean uh, during this movie? Yeah, never called his cell phone. She called his cell phone. You know, that's a really good question because Josh Hartnett, when he wrote that note to Lisa, he said, call me at this number, and he gave her Matthew Lillard's number. Yeah, why did he, he had a cell phone? phone all along? Yeah. This movie is make so any weird. Sense. This movie is ridiculous. Well, this movie can't exist in a world where there's cell phones. That's a fact. This movie can't exist today. Okay, anyway, so this movie ends with our boy Josh Hartnett doing the most cliche thing ever in every romantic movie ever made. He goes to the airport. Of goes, course. He gets to the security, gets to do all those stringent checks. This is post 9-11, by the way. It's 2004. Yeah. And he gets through security. Don't get on that plane. And, and we see the back of Lisa's head and all that stuff. But what happens? Uh-oh. The fiance shows up out of nowhere. She disappeared from this movie and she just reappeared in the shocking turn of events. I thought that she was going to be the silent victim through this entire movie where she just disappears. And I could say at the end, what happened to his fiance? <laughs> no, there she is. They thought of you. I'm so glad they did. Well, she's obviously like, hey, how was China? I've been waiting for you for like an hour at the luggage claim. And he's like, oh yeah, I've been lying to you about that for like, <laughs> for like a month. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a coincidence that all of this took place and ended pretty much exactly when he was supposed to get back from China. Yeah. This is my favorite scene in the entire movie. I love this. I, I thought it was really funny. that the way, the way they shot this, where it's like, hey, remember me? I'm in this movie too. And she just reappears. <laughs> I loved it. That was great. Okay, so she's like, so how was your trip to China? And he's like, yeah, about that. Um, I don't love you anymore. We can't get married. Bye. That's a really um, considerate way of telling your fiance that you don't want to get married. That's like an afterthought in the terminal of an airport after yeah, she's driven they, all this way to pick you up. And they were dating for like two years, right? Yep. My life's been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love you. I never loved you. See ya. Like, where did she go after that? Did she just drive off a bridge and commit suicide? She drove into an open grave. <laughs> she drove into a sinkhole. Yeah. <laughs> the ground just swallows her. Like, if, if you were dating someone and they did that to you, what would you think? Like, let's say that you were engaged to someone. You'd been with them for two years and you meet up with them to pick them up from an airport and they're like, hey, my whole life is a lie. We can't get married. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I could very easily see uh, her attacking him, like slapping him and like hitting him. I don't him. know if that would even happen. Like, I think it would the person be in shock, right? Like, what are you, what's going on here? Like, I need more explanation than this. Okay. This is not enough for I'm, me. I'm not the person you think I am. Yeah, like, that makes me think, like, are they a spy? Yeah, like, what is it? Were they under, uh, an undercover narc agent? Rapist. Could be a rapist, murderer. She runs away, never to be heard from again. I guess she goes hang out with Matthew Lillard and they can, like, nurse their wounds. It's a lot of fallout from this movie. No consequences whatsoever. No, nope. everyone's life is destroyed. Destroyed, except for Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, Diane Kruger. That's it. They're, they're the heroes, so they get what they want. The Rose Burns character is living in a <laughs> never-ending spiral. Everyone else killed themselves within yeah. a week. Suicide's the only the only right? way out. Yeah, I right? think so. Ex maybe Matthew Lillard. Maybe he skated by. But even him, he didn't have much to live for at that point. Yeah, Matthew Lillard at the end is like these people are a bunch of a holes, and you know that's his. But er er I mean, everybody else is like suicide's the only way out. This is like a love pentagon. Sure, five people in it all interacting with each other yeah it's pretty hot five way <laughs> five dollar foot long <laughs>
It's pretty hot. We just got out of February. Oh, that's right. (laughs) All right, so Josh Hartnett starts walking towards Lisa, and then it gets super slow motion. And what do my ears hear? Do my ears deceive me? Now I got some Coldplay. Oh, great. Coldplay. Kevin's favorite (laughs) band in the world. My favorite band in the world. <laughs> You've on this podcast said you love Coldplay. I, I yeah, I like I like Coldplay. My favorite band in the world. Well, uh, really super slow motion. He's walking across terminal to where Lisa is. He might as well have been walking, running, skipping in slow motion through a field of wheat. <laughs> To like hug her and Coldplay's swelling in the background. Nobody said it was easy. And in my mind, I, I would have liked if the movie just ended here. They just got hit by a bus. Both of them just killed because that's like what they deserve. These people are horrible. They're not horrible. <laughs> They're super selfish. They're extremely selfish and they hurt a lot of people. Well, I don't know that. Who did Lisa hurt? She hurt my eyes. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't even want to look at her. <laughs> no, no, Lisa's fine. Josh, Josh, Josh Hartnett should get hit by a bus though. Yeah, I mean, my problem with this scene was it was went on for 12 to 13 minutes of yeah. him slow-mo yeah. walking towards you're, 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 her. You're right, you're right. I They're, timed it. <laughs> how long were they making out, like, crying? Like, the most uncomfortable kind of making out where they're, like, crying. In the middle of the airport. And, like, they're... On the ground. They're on their knees, so it looks like they're praying to each other. And there's just people walking by, like, loading onto that 747. He was just standing behind her for, like, 10 minutes straight, like, looking yeah. at the back of her head, right? Yeah. And then she definitely got that, some creep is staring at me yeah. feeling because she turned around. Around. Oh, it was you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they make out and they cry and everybody in the airport doesn't really seem to care. It's a happy ending, right? Guys, aren't we all happy now? Yeah, I guess so. Bittersweet. I like the way Simply. they have like millions of people walking by them and no one stops because that puts me into a, a good perspective of how important their relationship is to anybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. Nobody cares, which begs the question. Coldplay cares. Why Why do I care? Why do I care? And then I realized that I didn't. Well, that's... Chris Roll. <laughs> That's Wicker Park. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. A shapeless mess, Rex Reed, New York Observer. The result is a mess, but it's fun to watch it explode. Jeff Peavers, Toronto Star. And finally, a romance that isn't romantic and a thriller lacking thrills. Roger Moore, Orlando Sentinel. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? Yeah, this movie's terrible. I'd say pretty much three quarters of the way through this movie, I was in agony. (laughs) You're having an existential crisis while you're watching it? No, I was just really confused. It was like really messy. And I was like, what is happening in this movie? And I guess the reveal is kind of like when you you have to put it all together. And uh, it wasn't as satisfying as I thought it was going to be. The acting isn't really terrible. It's not great either. The story is just really confused and like muddled. I'd say 20 something percent is probably a little low. Probably should be in like the 30s. Would I watch this movie again? Absolutely not. Would I suggest someone see it? Yeah, I I mean, this is probably a decent movie to watch on like a date with your girl friend because I definitely was not the the proper audience for this movie. Probably gonna give this movie a two out of five. For me, is this that bad? Ah I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with this. I think there's a three out of five movie in there somewhere, but there's about 15 minutes of slow-mo walking extra stuff. Actually, I even forgot about that. Let's go 20 minutes of extra stuff that could have been cut out of this movie. We glossed over a lot of things that were superfluous to the story. They weren't necessary, but they were thrown in there that could have been cut out and we still would have gotten to the same place. I didn't start liking this movie until maybe the last third, last quarter when things started to become more clear of what was going on. And I think that's fine 
fine if, if you want to hold back and, and keep us in the dark for a while, but it was just too long for me. By the time we got to the point where we start to understand this movie, it's already been so long that I don't really care anymore. Like, I've, I've lost whatever investment I might have had in the characters just by the complexity and the fact that this movie's so confusing up until that last portion. So I think there's a 3 out of 5 movie in there, but that extra crap slows it down and makes me settle on a 2 out of 5. But a high 2. How generous of you. Okay, this movie is really that bad. No, I don't think it's that bad. I like this movie more than you guys did. I take it. I'm going to go with a three out of five because just like you, Kevin, I didn't like this movie for the first hour. It was It's too slow and boring and I didn't care about the mystery and I did not like Josh Hartnett as a character. And by the end of it, I still don't really like him as a character. I, I, don't, I don't know. He's not really that interesting. But when Rose Byrne shows up and we find out that her character is just manipulating everybody behind the scenes, that was really interesting to me and I really wanted to see where that story went and what they did did with it and I enjoyed it. I, I wish she would have been punished more as a character because they just kind of leave it at, at that. Like she's left to wallow in her own chaotic insecure blah 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 whatever who cares. That's not enough for me. She should have like killed herself or someone should have killed her. Now we got a movie. Now we're cooking. Just like Martin said this is a good date movie. This is a good movie for girls to watch. Girls who like romance. Think, th- things like that. That's This is the movie for you. I think there's an audience for this. I'm gonna go with a three out of five. Okay let's read some listener mail. Okay Jack writes in and says heard that you were reviewing Wicker Park this week. I haven't seen the movie, but will try to watch this week. I wanted to let you know that I'm, in fact, a longtime resident of Wicker Park. In fact, this photo was taken in front of my house, and it's a photo of a Wicker Park sign. You already have a gun expert and a second gun expert. If you need a Wicker Park expert, feel free to ask me the tough questions. I feel like we need, like, a third gun expert. Though. Yeah, yeah, to checks and balance <laughs> the, other and the other two gun experts. <laughs> Wicker Park questions? It, was that actually Wicker Park? Because I know a lot of times, you know, Hollywood will substitute places for other places. I mean, was that, did that look accurate to what the actual park looks like. Well, here's a question. If they're really going to do that and not film it in Wicker Park, yeah. why even bother to call it Wicker Park and go to the effort of making it Wicker Park? Who knows? Maybe the guy who wrote it lived in Wicker Park at the time mm. or grew up there or something. I don't know. Is the AV store still there? <laughs> Is Wicker Park still standing? It, it, oh, what about the hot dog stand and all that stuff? Yeah, that was my mm. question. I want to know if the hot dog stand was there. I want to be able to get a foot long <laughs> wiener. <laughs> I want to get a big wiener. Okay, you know, this week week, three of our listeners were very industrious, and they made multimedia content in our honor. Kevin, can you believe it? Multimedia? That's more than one. (laughs) That's more than one, yes. We only do one. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're a one media kind of group. We only do one one media at a time. And we barely do that at all. Okay, Jake writes in and says, Hey guys, I just wanted to send you a link to a short video I made out of the intro and plot synopsis of your 97th episode, The Pirate Movie. It's short, and I would have made it longer, but truth is, I'm just too damn lazy. I hope you enjoy it. So he sent us this YouTube clip of uh, a little video he made where he took the Pirate Movie, the intro, and he set it to scenes and clips and stuff. It's really cool. I will put a link to it in these, this episode's show notes at yeahitsthatbad.com. Next up, Oriella writes in. She, a couple months ago, asked me for permission to use clips from the Twilight episode in a little documentary that she was making for school about Twilight. I said yes, and she completed it. She says, here's my finished Twilight documentary featuring Martin and Joel's opinions on Edward Cullen, approximately four minutes in. I will put a link to this video in the show notes at yeahitsthatbad.com. This is pretty cool too. Is her documentary going to get filed into the Library of Congress so me and you can finally get in? No, I, I think that she's going to be on the short list for best short documentary at the Oscars next year. Nice. We're going to be invited. We're going to present the award, I think. <laughs> but we have to wear like black masks over our head. <laughs> so no one knows. 
<laughs> we actually just wear garbage bags over our, over our faces. <laughs> well, we choke ourselves to death yeah, on we're stage. Gonna... <laughs> we die on stage. protest to the, the Oscars. <laughs> Okay, and finally, Phil writes in and says, After listening to the first 60 or 70 shows, I began to formulate an idea in my head. I am a musician and producer, and I wanted to create what I believe to be the greatest compilation of Yeah, It's That Bad quotes mixed with a fun, funky, fresh beat. I hope you guys will be moving and grooving to it. I have pulled my favorite lines from as many shows as possible to create this. There are many classic Yeah, It's That Bad quotes, as well as my personal favorites. It took me many months of organizing your quotes to fit my original quirky song. Unfortunately, I couldn't keep all my favorite lines or the song would be 15 minutes or longer. I hope you play this on the show for us to enjoy. I have a website I would like to plug at www.purevolume.com slash my god where you can go listen to the other songs I have done. I call this track the Yeah, It's That Bad Greatest Hits. I love the podcast and keep it up. Thanks for all the laughs and the kick-ass reviews, Phil. So you've all had a chance to listen to this? Yeah. It was good. I actually would prefer the 15-minute epic. Same here. I want to hear the, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear the 15-minute <laughs> prog of this. I, it, I mean, what he has is awesome. It's really good. The thing that struck me the most about this compilation is that I had forgotten 99.99999% of these quotes and I'm the one who edits the show like I listen to hours and hours of it and I do not remember where these quotes are coming from stay tuned to the end of this episode and you'll be able to hear this amazing song we'll get invited to the Grammys yeah that too we're going to the Tonys the Grammys I could finally one up Katy Perry's dress this year (laughs) how much butt cleavage are you going to show (laughs) I'm going to put a lot of penis cleavage (laughs) Okay, Maria writes in and says, I just now listened to the infamous episode 7 of Gamer. Which, seriously, what were people having issues with? And it says next, you're going to review London. What happened? Martin, you were there. What happened? Okay, so we got picked up by iTunes. I think we put five episodes on in the beginning. Like, we didn't go straight to iTunes when we started recording episodes. We just kind of held on to the first five. I guess essentially what happened is, at that point, iTunes decided to feature us on New and Noteworthy on the front page. And before that happened... Our traffic was what? Like zero. Zero. Negative 10. Yeah, like two people listened to it and then killed themselves afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so after New and Noteworthy, we actually got a lot of traffic. We're like, oh no, we have to do whatever we can to, you know, get as many people to listen to us. And we didn't want a movie that not everyone had seen to be like the next thing that we put out right after we got featured on New and Noteworthy. Right, well, it was like when we oh, got... It sounds like you guys sold out. That's what it sounds like to me. Immediately. <laughs> we, had, we had to sell out as quickly as we could. You sold out for no money. Make a lot of money. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Make that money. Hang out with Real Big Fish. Yeah, we put out the Gamer episode like right when we got featured and immediately we got a a flood of negative reviews and I was like, oh my God, we got to get rid of this. (laughs) So we had an emergency session and we did Twilight, like ASAP. And luckily that worked out because that was the right move because the rest is history. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. Next week's movie, we're going to be watching the Jean-Claude Van Damme class. Classic Street Fighter, the movie. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. You, you can follow the show on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. Don't forget to get our latest premium podcast, Green Lantern at yeah, it's that bad dot bandcamp.com. And visit our website at yeah, it's that bad.com. Thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Carissa. And, uh, of course, the, the real star of this podcast. The Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Absolutely. This was a ragtag team, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
I have a uh, very, very checkered, checkered past with this movie. Why aren't your nipples hard? What? He says the famous line, I'm erect. Why aren't you? That's a valid that's, question. That's a legitimate question. Valid question. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> when Kevin joined the show, I was really pissed that he was even on the earth. We're all friends. We're all boys. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what? The triumphant return of Emily Browning. Yes, yes sir. Wow. <laughs> we should just play that over and over again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, guys. Let's party. Kevin, what do you think of that ass crack? Those, those delicious cheeks jiggling in your face. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie starts out in typical yes, that bad faction. Ah, uh, he's an expert at double cross. He always does that. Let that hot, juicy beef slip down your throat. Where's all the porn at? <laughs> right? The quadro meter was off the charts. For me, yeah, it's that bad. I am going to drop a people's elbow. Whoa! As I give this a rock bottom. One out of five. <laughs> I actually have a wet ass all day at work, and I appreciate it. Omega level swamp ass. Omega. <laughs> I always know about you. You're a weak, weak, weak. limp, shrimpy dick loser. You're nothing. He's no Emilio Escobar. That's a damn sure. <laughs> I actually injured my penis while I was watching this movie. <laughs> so she's so upset, she starts kicking a car. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Talk straight. Future generations, they need to know about Dennis Quaid. <laughs> I'd hate for the future world not to know about the magic of Dennis Quaid. I, I gotta take a hot steaming piss. <laughs> What's he at on the beefo meter? He is a solid four. Wow. It fails to arouse me. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't take much to arouse me. But frankly, I'm glad it didn't arouse me. I don't want to be aroused in a room sitting next to you. So long as this Cadillac of men. Oh my gosh. It's kind of like a fart. It stinks. And then five minutes after it's over, you like forget all about it. This is a, like, I had trouble even remembering what was <laughs> wow. in this movie. What poetry. <laughs> all the women were like, this guy is a weak, weak man. This poor performance. And this movie is a pioneer in the field of CG penis free. It knocked my socks off. Yeah, this is pure cage. You're yeah. double-crossing me. He ripped out the wettest fart I ever heard. <laughs> and it smelt like shit the rest of the movie. <laughs> I was moving. I was grooving. Uh-oh. That, yeah, it's that bad staple. It rears its ugly head. Did you see the vein in Storm's crush? I did. Anyway. Oh, a little bit of eroticism. Homoeroticism. Well, that, There's a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, that From what I've seen already in the movie. It's gonna happen. We have a lot of fun. We're hooting and hollering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guess what, bro? You just had sex with your daughter. And fooled you. She loved it. Gotcha. I'm gonna give this movie a giant, hot, thunderous one out of five. Stay away from it at all costs. I, I guess it's like a hot, steaming, creamy dump. All right, you stay right here. <laughs> Something in this room got hardened real fast. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough Quaid in this movie. That's a problem. He really is our patron saint. Will we or will we not see her boobs? I saw this movie back when I was a prenatal fetus. There's no place for dog violence in movies. Let's cut this out. She was aroused. Everyone was aroused. Presumably the audience was aroused. Darwinian capitalism. Yes! Yes! If I had a gun, I would fire it into the TV. I'm pretty sure we've established that this is a pro-incest podcast. We thought we saw the true limits of gender bending. We did. We were such fools. So naive. <laughs> Put little balls on their face, slap balls on their chin, and then... <laughs>
<laughs> the intro was scrolling text and a voiceover to boot on a black screen. Man, calm down, man. You're being a total dick. Come where are our homoerotic levels at? Oh, they're off the chart. Let's jump straight to the volleyball scene. This is my favorite scene of the movie. It jumps head first down the toilet. This thing is is a disaster. <laughs> Girls have it hard? Yeah. They're gonna get it hard. Thrusted! 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 I came for the angels. I stayed for the quaid. <laughs> Man! Yet another oral sex, yes, that bad feature film. Great to skid marks in your underwear. Yeah. Wallowing in his own chaotic and insecure delusions. He's a fetal urine baby. Lamar <laughs> <laughs> just walked over to the sink and vomited from laughter. I was gripping the armrest so tight. Oh my god. Joel is a self absorbed demigod. Is it really that bad? Yeah, this movie's terrible. It's not even that bad, it's good. There's nothing funny or redeeming about it. The story's terrible, the acting's horrible, it's boring, uninteresting, the effects are horrible, it's shot poorly. End this, please. Get this over with. I can't take it anymore. This is a miserable experience. (laughs) It is terribly boring to sit through. It's horrible. I couldn't wait for this thing to end. One out of five. Is it really that bad? No, it's worse. I was wondering what movie was going to make you pull that one out. <laughs> and I, I guess we found it. <laughs> Give this movie a solid five out of five. Whoa! Yeah. Can't believe my eyes. You know what I'm talking. Exactly. <laughs>